Leadership Science Bringing some science into leadership and management Hello there, this is Shiva Kami and here is the first of my series of podcasts on Leadership Science In these podcasts, I will be busting workplace myths and misconceptions one at a time using facts and research findings. The first few podcasts will cover the myths and misconceptions regarding diversity and inclusion in the workplace. Here is myth number one, and you would have heard it many times in many variants. You may even share the same opinion. This is how it goes. Oh yes, I very much believe that the workplace should have diversity and inclusion. It's the right thing to do. But we do have a business to run, you know, and that takes priority. So it will take some time, but we will get there eventually. This statement is a myth or misconception because it assumes that diversity and inclusion is important, but only because it is the right thing to do. While that is certainly reason enough, what most people don't know is that diversity and inclusion have many benefits, including business benefits. So, if business is a priority, then diversity should automatically be a priority too. Let me tell you a little bit about the research that reveals the business benefits of diversity. McKinsey's 2020 report, Diversity Wins, is based on findings of surveys of more than a thousand large companies across 15 countries. The proportion of diversity in the executive leadership of these companies was used to rank them from the best, those with the maximum diversity in executive leadership, to the worst, those with the minimum diversity in executive leadership. What did they find? Being in the top quartile of gender diversity in executive leadership made you 25% more likely to have an EBIT higher than the industry median. EBIT is earnings before interest and taxes, which is a good measure of the company's profitability. So, if the organization is in the top 25% of the companies in how much diversity it has in executive leadership, it is 25% more likely to have a profitability above the industry average. And organizations with more than 30% women in their executive teams are significantly more likely to outperform the organizations with just between 10 to 30% women in executive leadership. And these companies, in turn, are more likely to outperform those with less than 10% women executives. Ethnic diversity is even more significant. Being in the topmost quartile of ethnic diversity in executive leadership makes you 36% more likely to have a profitability higher than the industry average. At the board level, 
the effect increases much further. Companies worldwide with the most gender and ethnic diversity in their board of directors are 45% more likely to have profits higher than the industry median. And all these results were statistically significant too. In 2012, a team of researchers at the Credit Suisse Research Institute conducted a study. They examined more than 2,300 companies globally over the period 2005 to 2011. They were looking for any relationship between gender diversity on corporate management boards and the company's financial performance. And they did very much find a relationship. Companies with one or more women on their boards delivered higher average returns on equity and better average growth. The average ROE or return on equity of companies with at least one woman on the board was 16%. That was 4 percentage points higher than the average ROE of companies with no woman on the board, which was 12%. Having more than one woman on the board also had a distinct positive impact on stock prices long term, especially during economic turbulence. So, when we talk business benefits and running the business, diversity is very much a part of it, quite significantly. But hey, that's not all. More coming up. In a 2014 paper in the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences, Sheen Levine of Columbia University, along with sociologist David Stark and others, conducted a study in Texas and Singapore. They trained a total of 180 people with a background in finance. The training was on how to calculate the value of stocks and at what point to buy or sell them. The subjects were all tested at the end to ensure that all of them had picked up these abilities to a similar extent. After that, in small clusters of six members, these newly trained traders were given the task of deciding whether to buy or sell shares. They needed to calculate accurate prices for the shares in order to decide the right price at which to buy or sell them. This was done over 10 trading periods, each lasting 2 minutes. Overall, the study went through 2022 market transactions. Some of the clusters or groups were homogeneous and some were heterogeneous. The homogeneous groups contained members who were all from the majority ethnicity. So, in the Texas experiment, the homogeneous groups were all Caucasians, and in Singapore, they were all Mongolian or Malay. Other trading clusters were ethnically diverse. The results were striking. In the simulated market clusters with ethnic diversity, there were fewer pricing errors and stocks traded more accurately over the course of the simulated trading. 
but in the non-diverse homogeneous market clusters, stocks were regularly overpriced, which created pricing bubbles. Pricing accuracy was 58% higher in diverse markets than in non-diverse markets. Diverse markets had far fewer pricing bubbles than non-diverse markets. Also, when the pricing bubbles in the non-diverse markets burst, these markets crashed more severely. So, in both regions, diversity clearly stabilized the market, minimizing pricing bubbles and crashes. Price decisions made in a diverse group were more accurate and less inflated. Nick Wilson and team from the University of Leeds, UK, analyzed about 950,000 companies in 2007 and 2008. They looked at those that had failed and those that hadn't. They used several financial and other parameters and complicated multivariate regression models to try and predict insolvency or bankruptcy risk. One of the parameters included was female representation at director level. Using a tested UK failure prediction model, they were able to evaluate the likelihood of failure among companies with different ownership and governance features, including female representation at director level. They did this while controlling for a wide range of known factors associated with insolvency risk. Among other things, the study found that having at least one woman on the board of directors reduced the company's risk of bankruptcy by 20% and having more women reduced this even further. Remember the earlier study we covered that was done by Credit Suisse? They looked at over 2,300 companies. One of the things they tracked was the share price performance of companies with no woman on their boards versus those with one or more women on their boards. When they looked at companies with market capitalization greater than 10 billion US dollars, essentially large corporates, they found that companies with one or more women board members performed 26% better than those without women board members. There was little difference in performance during the stronger growth environment that characterized the 2005 to 2007 period when the market was doing well. But the stock price performance of companies with women on their boards really picked up with the onset of the global financial crisis in the second half of 2008. It began in 2007 with the subprime mortgage market crisis in the US and developed into a full-blown international banking crisis with the collapse of Lehman Brothers in September 2008. While the overall MSCI stocks plunged down during this period, the performance of companies with one or more women on their board remained strong and performed steadily better and better. Having women on the board seems to have a steadying and stabilizing influence on the decisions that affect stock price because women are more risk-averse. This means that they may not get huge peaks when things are good, but it also means that when things are bad, 
performance doesn't plunge down. The International Labour Organization's 2019 report, The Business Case for Change, conducted a global survey of almost 13,000 enterprises in 70 countries. The results of this survey confirm the positive correlation between GDP and female employment with statistical significance. In other words, female employment growth is positively associated with GDP growth of the country. So, the next time someone tells you that running the business or improving business performance takes higher priority over diversity and inclusion, I hope you can explain to them with confidence that in fact, diversity and inclusion are a big part of running the business and improving business performance. And this works for those running states and countries too, since diversity and inclusion are positively associated with GDP growth. The next few podcasts will look at some other benefits of diversity and inclusion. Talk to you soon.